0: This episode of the Short Side Option Podcast is brought to you by the Email Boys, your favorite friend collective's favorite friend collective. Sporting purple since the birthroom, season ticket holders since three lockets ago, and passing high school geometry by studying Tex Winters' triangle offense. The Email Boys thrive in the clutch and in most social settings, driven to rep the cats and educate the community on what it means to bleed purple, to be excellent, and how to rip Jays like Michael Beasley. When the purple gets ready to roll, the email boys are ready to deliver.
1: Nice to have you with us here on another edition of the Short Side Auction Podcast. It's Chris Sork. It's alongside d here as we break down and give a first look here. At the 2021 iteration of the Kansas State Wildcats, and we're going to be spending our time focusing in here on the offensive side of the football today. But uh, before we get too far into things, Dilo, it's great to be back on the air with you, my man.
0: Oh, it, it's great to be back with you too, Mr. Icon. It's it's nice to be talking some K State football and gearing up for the season. And it, it's been a little
1: while since we've sat down and uh, recorded a podcast together. You know, it really has been. And you know, at last at last check here. Uh, you know, was not a great end of the season here for K State, uh, coming off of five straight losses after starting out four and one. So this 2021 season uh, kind of has the feel a little bit of a, a really a proving ground season for uh, if Chris Klein and staff are going to be able to get things on the right track and kind of get back into uh, get back into what was a successful year one uh, going eight and four.
0: Yeah, the season it-, it doesn't quite feel like it's a like it's a do or die for this staff, Um, at least not from an administrative perspective. But from a fan perspective, you look at this season and kind of coming off the heels of a disappointing season last year. And and right now, it just feels like the program doesn't have very much momentum uh, behind it. And you look at this roster that returns, especially uh, a healthy Skylar Thompson coming back in, and, and you look at the team and you think, man, this this could be a pretty good season um, as we kind of close the book on this era, the Skylar Thompson era. Sure. Um, And there's a lot of reason to uh, have some high hopes coming into the year. Um, And you get the feeling that, boy, if this is a disappointing season, if it's another losing season or something, then it's hard to envision the the Chris Kleiman project really getting off the ground, coming off uh, two losing seasons in a row and... Breaking in a, a new quarterback and have a lot of fresh faces next year too.
1: Certainly, uh, certainly a good point there, Drew. I, I think the biggest thing when you look at what K State was doing last year, uh, starting off four and one and really kind of asserting themselves uh, towards the top of the Big Twelve standings, was they were getting good play, um, really from from the defense defensive side of the ball was really kind of carrying them there for stretches as, as Will Howard was getting acclimated uh, at the starting quarterback position, and then. Towards the end of the season, everything kind of fell apart due to a number of reasons, uh, injuries, uh, unavailability of players uh, due to COVID or whatever the case might have been. So things kind of got a little bit out of whack there. But it was a little, little concerning seeing at the end of the season things really fall apart. However, however, first three, four games, you know, up until when when Skylar Thompson went out, I thought K-State was looking pretty good. I mean, the, granted, you have to look back at the Arkansas State game. That kind of gets easily lost in the mix. But first game, kind of coming back, things were a little bit out of, out, of, out of whack there. And it's a game case they should have easily won. I don't think there's any question about that. But let's not, break too, let's not uh, hang our hats too much on, on what happened last season. This is a forward-looking podcast. Life moves one way, baby. And we rip out the rearview mirror here, and we're only looking forward. So let's turn our attention to this 2021 K-State Wildcats offense. Uh, Big 12 media day just last week. Uh, Skylar Thompson, Jerome McPherson down there to to, uh, speak on behalf of the Cats. With Skylar Thompson, let's start with him. Most important position on the field, quarterback position. He's coming back here, and this is a guy who started games uh, back in the 2017 season. Uh, Now as we go in here to 2021, there's not a quarterback in the Big 12 that you know, has been around as long as as Skylar Thompson. There might not be many quarterbacks around uh, in the Power Five that have been been around as long as uh, Skylar Thompson. So, with k State getting Skylar Thompson back for his super senior year, that position is certainly a strength in terms of experience returning. Absolutely,
0: and, and one thing we learned last year is for all the for all of Skylar's faults, um, and there are a few. He takes too many sacks. He's not super comfortable in the pocket. Doesn't hit every throw. Um, What we learned last year is that he is far and away the most important player on K-State's team. Sure. Uh, And part of that is because he is a competent Power 5 quarterback. And the other side of that coin is that he's by far the best we had. Uh, Will Howard comes in, uh, put into a rough situation. We've talked about this ad nauseum.
1: But just wasn't ready for the show last year. No. No. And, and that was a very, like, as you mentioned, very difficult position to get thrown into. Uh, not having any spring ball, of course, and you know, lots of other factors going into it. If it was a perfect world, he would have redshirted. But at the same time, getting that experience moving forward can pay some dividends down the road.
0: Absolutely. And so not a totally lost season for, for Will Howard. Now, all that being said, we have Thompson coming back, coming off an injury. There's a, at least a little bit of a question mark Regarding what he's going to look like coming off his, I believe it's a pec uh, injury. Is what the, what the official diagnosis was? I think we learned that fairly recently. Everybody mm. kind of assumed it was a collarbone. Turns out it was a pec. So there's going to be a little bit of a question mark in terms of whether he's the same Tyler Skylar Thompson this year as we saw back in September of last year, where he put up some pretty good, at least one great performance against Oklahoma. Um, but he is uh, absolutely the starter. Uh, there's, there's no question about that. And I think he's got to, just like last year, I mean, we, we talked about this same thing last year where it was kind of presumed that that was a good chance that was going to be his last season. But this is another chance for Skylar Thompson to come in and really cement his legacy one way or the other. I mean, if he comes in and, and has a dynamite year and s- starts sniffing you know, second-team all-conference even – then K State fans are going to remember Skylar Thompson pretty fondly and, and think that is a guy that was really good, and he. Uh,
1: it's a shame we didn't get to see more of him. Yeah, and you know, to his to his resume, he has three top ten wins, uh, one against Oklahoma State, two against Oklahoma, uh, two of which on the road, which is, is no small feat as well. Um, when you look at his at his career, of course, there's been kind of some ups and downs. Those those high ups with um, with those top 10 upsets, and then some inconsistent play throughout too. So when you look at what he did last year, albeit in two and a half games, I have the numbers here in front of me. Four touchdowns, no interceptions, completed 63% of his passes. Granted, that's in a relatively small sample size, but you have to remember too, last year was his first season I believe at the at the helm, where he had the same offensive coordinator as the year before. Wow! Uh, In terms of in terms of really when he was you know as as a starting quarterback, so this is his third year now in this system. You always think that the the biggest step that one takes as a starting quarterback is the second season, in um, in, in a system. And quite frankly, he didn't have that opportunity due to his uh, season being cut short by injury. But now with the whole offseason to get healthy, and all reports are that he'll be back full strength uh, as good as new uh, here by the time uh, K-State kicks it off here. But I think that just being in a system now for three years, really it will afford him to really make, as fans, saying, okay, we can really give a judgment to really how well, Uh, how well he did as a player and what his career will ultimately look like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another, you know, whether you want to call it an excuse or an explanation, Thompson hasn't really had a great, consistent receiving core for most of his career. I mean, you look back, he had that game against Oklahoma State, you think of Byron Pringle having a huge game. And then after that, the receivers have really taken a kind of fallen off a cliff here in the last two or three years in terms of talent across the board at the receiver position i mean and that's a that's a big part of it tyler lockett makes jake lock jake waters look great uh, james terry made Roverson look great jordy mm-hmm. and freeman sure and a guy like thompson you think well he's had malik knowles on and off yeah throughout his career that's a
1: kind of politely
0: yeah i mean and you know it's a shame we didn't get to see him have a full season with brightly Moore last year or another legitimate threat and so i think a lot of how thompson looks this year is going to depend on uh either the health of malik knowles and his ability to show up week in and week out or the rise of a second receiver threat whether that's Emer uh, DeBebe, or a guy like Keenan Garber, or Sebastian Taylor steps up and has a big year, or, or some other name. But I think
1: Thompson's success is going to be a function of just viable receiving targets. Well, yeah, and I think maybe his most viable receiving target is, is the guy out of the backfield, new Spawn. Uh, and let, let's keep it here in the quarterback room if we can. You know, I look here at Typically, the Big 12 is known for the high-scoring offenses and great quarterback play. And this year, you know, a lot of times in the Big 12, looks like they're playing basketball. That you day. know, it does, it does, it can't. It's just basketball on grass, my man, uh, or basketball on turf. You know, sometimes uh, yes. most most schools in the Big 12 are are turf fields. I think, gosh, let me see. TCU, Texas Christian has grass field. Totally. Oklahoma, I Iowa State stayed. does is the forty acres? No, that's turf. KU's turf, Baylor's turf, Texas turf, Oklahoma State's turf, Western Virginia's turf. So it's really, but it's it's on it's basketball on for insert, the most part, here. For the most part, turf, but sometimes grass. Sometimes grass. Yeah. So we look here at this at this crop of quarterbacks here in the Big Twelve, and you've got Spencer Rattler, the um, the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. You have Max Duggan at TCU. Uh, Purdy at Iowa State. I think Skylar Thompson is probably, to me, I, I'm looking here at Phil Steele. He has K-State as the fifth best quarterback unit in the conference. He's got Oklahoma, Iowa State, TCU, Texas Tech, and then a tie for fifth with Oklahoma State and Spencer Sanders there. At Texas Tech, they have that uh, show guy coming in from Oregon as a transfer. Right. I do think that Skylar Thompson is the third best quarterback. Wow. Because, I mean, Spencer Sanders is probably more talented, but you have to give the edge to experience, at least in my view. Spencer Sanders avoided – I mean, he was
0: benched at least once last year uh, due to play. So – I mean, I, I believe he was benched in the Red River Shootout last year because he just wasn't getting it done for a little bit. You mean bit. Bedlam? Uh, I thought they sat him down during against Texas too. Oh, it, oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting you're, in the you're getting out, You're getting
1: routed. Yeah. yeah, so no, but right. I think Sanders did get benched. I think your point is right in that in that Bedlam game. Now, granted, that game got out of hand there for the Cowpokes, but regardless, to say, I do think that you, you can't knock on the experience of Skylar Thompson, and I think on paper, at least heading into the season, I think K-State's got one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the league. And yeah, I think no, that, I... And I think that really bodes well for K-State. Uh, when you talk about a team that, do they have aspirations to get maybe from the Big 12's middle class to a little bit higher up there?
0: Well, and one thing that makes, I know we want to stick with Thompson, but I think you have to contextualize what the whole offense is going to look like. I, I think, you know, Thompson having a dynamite, legitimate threat in the backfield. Something he didn't really have. Uh, he had a competent backfield in 2019 with Brown and Gilbert. But, you know, Deuce Vaughn is going to get everybody's attention in the Big 12 this season. Uh, that's going to be first, second, and third for defensive coordinators game planning K-State. And that's that's a benefit to the quarterback just because he's, that's going to open up receivers and uh, really... K-State won't really have to bother with establishing the run early on in games, and that will free up Thompson to really ideally have what he wants in terms of passing uh, going up against defenses. And so, you know, Thompson being able to take kind of a backseat as the focal point for defensive coordinators, I think is another reason that makes him even more dangerous.
1: Well, let's go ahead and kind of turn the page here and look at the rest of the quarterback room. Unless Good. you had something no, else, that's had. exactly what I'm going to chat about too. So let's turn the page here. We talked, we touched a little bit on Will Howard earlier. Uh, got thrown into a tough situation, as we mentioned last year. Had some moments of of uh, where he looked like this could be an that there could be something there with him, but more moments of this is a true freshman quarterback playing in the Power Five.
0: This looks like a guy who's lost and not ready to be here.
1: And, however, word is that. If you would ask, I know Climate had mentioned it in media days and much of the talk about Will Howard is that he may be one of the most improved players on the K-State roster. And there's been some talk that there could be packages for him throughout the season. As a running threat, maybe to kind of give Skyler Thompson a little bit of relief, maybe from you know carrying the ball 10, 15 times a game, especially down there in the goal line situation. With Will Howard, I mean, you're looking at a guy that I think you've got him pulled up there. Pretty big, sturdy guy. 6'4", 225. I mean, is a guy that can really, you know, provide a little something in the run game for K-State.
0: 235.
1: 235. Icon. Okay. He's, he's becoming like a load. Yeah. that's And that's something that is nice to have when you're in the short yardage situations and in the run game. He did show some ability last year in that run game. The TCU game, he had, a, what, a 65-yard run? The quarterback sneak against TCU remains a great play call. Uh, and that's what I'd really like to, uh, to call on that. And it had a big game uh, back in 2019 with Skylar Thompson. That's right. Uh, as, we've, as we've discussed on here uh, before. But not only do we have uh, Will Howard getting in the mix, and he does figure to be uh, Skylar Thompson's primary backup here as we enter into the season. But there you know, could be some usage for him in some short yardage packages and, and getting, some, getting some playing time that way. But uh, K-State also brings in a, a highly ballyhooed uh, recruit out of uh, the Rocky Mountain State, Jake Rubley, who may, maybe some folks that are listening are uh, not aware of. He is uh, Sylvester Stallone's nephew. How about Aye. that? E. That's my semester still that's a, that's, a, that's a good one, man. Yeah. How long have you been working
0: on that? I practice it sometimes. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it shows. It's very good. Hey, It's
1: kind of my, close to my Fonzie impression, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's good stuff out of you. Yeah. So you've got some talent here. And then you have Jaron Lewis, who, uh, you know, came in as a guy that a lot of people thought uh, could be a, kind of an under the radar guy that uh, Climate has had the history of developing. Uh, at, at North Dakota State in their quarterback room when you look at this room in terms of outside of Scott Thompson remove him from the equation here you, you have to feel relatively comfortable with the youth as well as you know the talent that's in that room uh, of course with Rubley being a four-star recruit and will Howard you know having had some ability last year uh, should be interesting to see what what shakes out there.
0: Yeah I think getting to your point about, Uh, the Howard packages. At first, my, you know, you you think of these gimmicky uh, packages for certain bigger load quarterbacks. You're looking at... I I don't love that. Who was the guy at Oklahoma? Oh, Blake Bell. Blake Bell, yeah. Uh, You think, man, that... That's just not my favorite thing. I feel like they come in, they look one-dimensional. And if they're not one-dimensional, then what's the point? And
1: and if the ball is moving, if you're moving the ball down the field, well, it it just takes out the rhythm of the game. And I think it, to your point, it can really do more harm than good.
0: It can. And God forbid a turnover happens. And then it's everybody second-guessing what a stupid move it was. That said...
1: 2012 OU game, prime example of that. Well,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, But... That said, when you have a guy who's well, take Skylar Thompson, he's injury prone, or at least is coming off an injury, and he's a guy that is probably going to do some running this year. But I really hope we don't make him. Don't you oh, go overboard in the running game using Skylar Thompson um, now. It's nice you get inside the ten yard line and you think, man, it would really be nice to totally open up the playbook and really utilize the quarterback run game, or at least make defenses, you know, threaten that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, it's he's a guy who's had at this point quite a bit of legitimate experience in Big Twelve football. I mean, started seven, six, seven games for us in the Big Twelve last year, and so I'm comfortable him lining up in the shotgun and running the Klein offense and barreling down and just using him as a battering ram this year uh and so this is one of those situations where I'm actually okay if we want to throw in a package where inside the 10-yard line we just want Howard to be able to gnaw out three or four yards if if that's what we want to do and you know that's a legitimate threat Because you have Deuce threatening the edge and Howard threatening the middle. And so I think, yeah, I I am more comfortable with Howard doing that short yardage uh, quarterback run game than I am with Thompson. And I think that he's competent enough as a passer that I'd trust him to throw a five yard out to the tight end if need be. And so, no, I have no problem with Messingham and Kleiman kind of gearing towards Howard in those situations. Uh, Regarding Jaron Lewis, man... If we're, if Rubley or Lewis are having to take meaningful snaps this year, then I think it's going to be chaos for the offense just because mm-hmm. that means something so or multiple things yeah. have gone horribly wrong. Uh, you know, the coaches talk highly of Jaron Lewis. Did he play in the Iowa State game last year? You know, I I can't remember whether it was him It Cameron may or have Ost, been a few. But, sp-
1: I I know Nick Os got in there, but I I don't recall anything meaningful. Uh, You know, frankly, if if we're to our third
0: string quarterback and at that point it just becomes whether we want to burn the Rubley redshirt or not. Sure. Um, If we want to just preserve the redshirt, then fine. Throw out Jaron Lewis or if we just don't think Rubley's ready. But I'm – this year, I'm just not considering much of what Lewis or Rubley look like just because we have two, I think – significantly better quarterbacks than either of those guys at this point and so i'm more than if we if we get to the point where those guys are taking meaningful snaps then we're having a we're in a really bad position
1: yeah odds are that that would be the case and at that point if if they
0: can take a snap without fumbling then fine great but at that point i feel like it's we're reverting back to what we looked like last year where we just have a guy in the backfield who's a total liability.
1: Let's look at, uh, let's put on our, um, let's put our prediction out here and say we're doing this podcast fast forwarding a year. Previewing the 2022 Cats. Will Howard, Jake Rubley, um, and uh, Jaron Lewis here are the three quarterbacks from the previous year, I think it would be unlikely to say all three would still be at K-State at this point in time. How would you kind of... If you had to make a prediction right now in terms of what that room might look like going into 2022, what would that look like for you? I
0: I don't think it's a given that either Howard or Rubley are going to transfer. Um, I, maybe one of them does if they read the tea leaves, but... I think that it's going to be an open competition in 2022 for the starting job, and if if, if Rubley's under the impression that he's going to be able to transfer somewhere and, and start right away, um, then fine. Uh, and same goes for Howard. Just depending on what the quarterback race looks like. I mean, right now I would give the edge to Howard only because he's played. Yeah, but there's a long time between now and. Yeah. the start of next season. Yeah. And, um, I think Howard's going to get some meaningful experience this year too. And I think it'll just come down to what the off season looks like. And so gun to my head, if, if one of them transfers, probably Rubley, but I don't think it's a given that one. Yeah. Of them's gonna and, and I it. don't
1: think that's likely, I think Rubley will, will stick it out. Don't have anything to really go off that, but just as a true freshman, I don't think he has any expectations of playing this year right away. And I, I'm,
0: The reports are he's not ready. I mean, he apparently didn't come in as a ready-made Power 5 starter in the spring. Not not that that's surprising. Um, But I'd say give it a year, and if Rubley is still withering on the depth chart, then maybe he goes and wants to find greener pastures somewhere else. But right now, I think projected starter for 2022 is probably Howard, only because... He's got more experience, even if he didn't look very good uh, when he played.
1: I think that's probably, you know, uh, uh, probably would be the odds-on favorite. I'll go ahead and I'll take Rubley to start 2022, but uh, still right. plenty of time to. Uh, well, if I good. win, you have to pay me fifty dollars. And okay, I think I'm good. I, I might be good for that. <laughs> <All> <laughs> okay, right. so let's 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 close the door in the uh, the quarterback room. Let's look at the big uglies up front, the hog mollies, the hog mollies, if you yeah. will. We've got. Hey, are they going to get sponsored
0: by a local Manhattan restaurant change with the name and chain with the uh, the name and likeness stuff? Have you heard of that?
1: Uh-huh. I haven't. No,
0: I forget who it was, but one of the. I think gosh. it might have been
1: Arkansas. I think I did something yeah, a yeah, little bit. Yeah, about the Arkansas this, but...
0: somebody like that. The, the offensive, the entire offensive line got a name and likeness deal from like a local, uh, restaurant, and I thought, uh, man, that'd be pretty cool for.
1: What would be a good restaurant to, to sponsor them? Is Big D's still around? Oh, yeah, it is, man. I went there, gosh, it would have been about uh, December 2019, I want to say. And I hadn't gone there since I was in college. And, man, it hit the spot. It's under, I think it's under new ownership, and it might be called something a little bit different now, I think. Like, but it, it's in the same location. Yeah, it, was a terif- it was a terrific cheeseburger.
0: Yeah, maybe them or Vista or... Heck, even so long or something like that. Some nice big burger place. Yeah. Yeah I, I
1: kinda like that. Yeah. I like that idea. Maybe a
0: hibachi hut. Hey, go eat some gumbo.
1: Yeah. Hey, sign me up, man. Yeah. Uh but in terms of the uh in terms of the offensive linemen, this is a group that started off the season predictably in rough shape. Replacing a very experienced offensive line from twenty nineteen that I believe were we were replacing Five starters, but Josh Revis was back, who had who had played a little bit uh, in 2019. You know, we get into 2020, and, and really the the um, overall theme throughout the first three to four to five games was k State just could not get anything going running the ball. Yeah, it, it, it was it was very tough for k State to be averaging more than you know three yards a carry. And that that for what with what K State's wanting to do offensively, uh, that starts not, up front. Yeah, it starts up front. And, and three yards of carry, is just not going to get it done. Um, now we get into the later half of the season against you know teams like Oklahoma State. They ran the ball pretty well. Uh, Baylor, Texas, they ran the ball pretty well. So this line started to gel a little bit more towards the end of the season. And when you look back at what's returning on the offensive line, you have Noah Johnson, who's who's kind of the projected starter at center, uh, Taylor Portier uh, at right guard, Josh Rivas at left guard, Christian Duffy at right tackle, and Cooper Beebe at left tackle. So these are all guys that played quite a bit last year. Yeah, and then you have also guys like uh, Ben Adler, uh, Levison, who. Have also played, and so your depth is is kind of getting there from an overall standpoint. I remember speaking with you last year, and we were saying, you know, this offensive line is young, but we feel good about what this group can have. Even guys that are like a Whip Mitchum or a Taylor Warner, a little bit further down the depth chart, that that uh, you know, K State fans feel uh, are, are really you know potential cornerstones for the offensive line. So. When I look at this overall group, I look for them to take kind of where they were running the ball, you know, running the ball for four and a half, five yards, uh, carrying some of these later games and letting Deuce Vaughn have a little bit more, uh, a few more openings, being able to, to use his shiftiness and, and to make people miss in the open field after getting by that first level. If this offensive line can kind of pick up where they left off uh, here as we wound out 2020, you have to think that this is a really a potential, anyway, for being really one of the stronger parts of this offense uh, if they continue to gel and continue uh, to improve as a unit.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, last, like you said, last year it was a total lack of experience. Oh, it it really yeah. reared its head in the first mm-hmm. part of the season. And then, towards the end, they started to come together. And, you know, one guy you didn't mention is, I believe it's Kingsley Ugwu, Uh Kid out of Hutch, just that giant load. I think he's a uh, four by three guy.
1: Yeah, and that's that's another great uh, you know body that they can play. I think ideally, I think ideally they would like him to start at one of the tackle positions, probably right tackle. Uh, maybe not quite there by Stanford uh, in the first game of the season, but maybe by conference play, he's he's gelled in a little bit, or maybe kind of maybe towards the end of the year, gets in the rotation. Because we've seen with, um, with what Kleiman and what Connor Riley want to do with this offensive line is to really have the best five guys out there. Right. Uh, and they will, they will mix and match. They'll, they'll rotate guys in to get reps. And it, that, I'm glad you brought him up because he could definitely be a, a key part of, of the K-State offensive line. Maybe not this year in a huge way. But in future years as well, yeah, maybe
0: even towards the back half of the year, sure. it wouldn't shock sure. me if he's got a grip on the playbook and, and knows what to do. But yeah, I, I think we're in agreement in terms of left to right. We got BB, Rivas, Noah Johnson, then uh, probably Poitier, and then Duffy over on the right side. And that's a that's an offensive line I'm pretty comfortable with going into the, into uh, the season. It's a nice mix of experience at this point, and you have guys like. Beebe, who is, you know, very talented, uh, shoring up the left side. And and if we can get some help uh, at tackle, we slide him inside and the group becomes, we improve two positions.
1: You know, another guy that I uh, wanted to touch on too is Carver Willis at one of the tackle positions. He got some playing time last year as well. So uh, I go through, and that's one thing I really do like with what this offensive line group has become because, you know, we looked at it kind of, from a recruiting standpoint, back at the end of the 2019, with so the 2020 recruiting class, and we looked at it and seen this offensive tackle position really has some question marks in terms of, you know, what's it going to look like in 2020? Now, this is all, of course, before COVID entered into the, entered into the picture. And how are we going to have this experience offensive line? Because, you know, they didn't have a, a full spring to kind of have that together. It was that was the biggest question mark going into last year was the offensive line. I don't think there was any question about that. Yeah. Now we've got some guys that have had to, whether if it's kind of by trial by fire, get into the picture and getting at least some substantial playing time. So I think that's one thing that I really like is that they've played enough guys there to where, you know, kind of even guys that are maybe second or maybe even third in some positions on the depth chart have at least seen some action yeah. here over the last year. So I think that's a that's something that should be uh, touched on. And, you know, hopefully health is something that K-State enjoys this year on the offensive line. But if there are some injuries, I feel like we are much better suited to kind of absorb some of those losses now than we would have been, you know, maybe in years past.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we could stand to lose three guys on the offensive line and still be okay. Uh Because you have guys like Adler or Ugwoo or even Carver-Willis having had time before. And, you know, it's not ideal, but it wouldn't shock me if they could step up and and plug a hole. So we we do have a little uh, room for air across the offensive line uh, with depth. And that's a a nice position to be in going into the year.
1: When you look at kind of what this offensive line does in terms, is there somebody that you might look at as kind of an X factor for, if K-State really is to take kind of a a step from, you know, I I refer back to Phil Steele here. He's got K-State's offensive line, as I pull this up, has him ranked kind of lower in the the pack here at that position, uh, seventh in the Big 12. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that strikes me as low. Yeah, if K State's gonna maybe get up in that, that upper middle class so to speak of the Big Twelve, is, is there some guy that you look forward to maybe taking a, a big step forward or is it just overall cohesion up and down the offensive line that, that really gets K State into a little bit uh, higher in terms of where that offensive line ranks across uh, across the conference?
0: Yeah, I mean I think the guards are probably uh the question mark for us, and by that I mean uh, Revis and probably Portier, Because you look at the tackles, and I'm pretty comfortable with B.B. and Duffy. I think those guys did a great job last year.
1: Yeah, and, and what I would, I'm going to interrupt for a moment because if if we could, if uh, Oogwu could maybe anchor down one of those tackle positions, and if you could slide B.B., to one of the guard positions. Yeah, no. I think that would even make that interior line even stronger.
0: Exactly. And so I think that if Uguu can step up and be a, be ready to go as fast as possible, then great. That that solves, you know, a guard issue. Um, but, you know, Revis kind of took a step back last year. Because mm-hmm. that was a guy coming into the year that we thought was going to be the real anchor on the offensive line. And he, he did not perform... Uh, like a lot of people, uh, including myself, hoped he would. And uh, so all that to say that any help we can get at guard, and whether that's Revis stepping up or Poitier or uh, Ben Adler or one of those guys just, or I'm sorry, two of them stepping up to to really be strong guards, then that makes a huge difference for us. Um, But as far as a weak spot on the offensive line, I think it's, Probably the guard positions coming into this year, but we have a lot of outs there in terms of bodies um, and even a guy like Uguu shoring up one of the tackle spots to allow BB to move inside.
1: Suffice to say, I think we both feel a whole lot better about where this offensive line is from not only a front-line perspective, but also a depth perspective as we head into to 2021. And I think that is uh, something that, gosh, if you look at... At Case State, in what would make a successful season for him, I think the two points that you kind of have to hit on for, for the, from at least the offense perspective, it's health at quarterback and the offensive line continuing to improve. And I think the both of those. I mean, health is something that's out of everyone's kind of control, but in terms of what this offensive line can do, I think Case State has to feel relatively good about where they find themselves. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I love it. I love it. So, we've hit on the offensive line. Anything else you want to touch on there before we, we kind of wrap that position group up?
0: Uh, no. I think uh, they'll have a lot of interesting uh, defensive game plans as, as teams try to focus on uh, Deuce. And I wouldn't... I I think that I, if I was game planning against K-State's offense, I'd expect a lot of heat um, in terms of, of some exotic blitzes and that sort of thing, just to try to Bottle up the running game and put pressure on Thompson, who hasn't experienced, who hasn't shown a ton of poise in the pocket over his sure. career, and so I think uh, fielding those stunts and blitzes is, is going to be uh, the challenges here for the offensive line.
1: Well, let's transition to probably the biggest question mark in the K-State offense right now, and that's the wide receiving core. Um, really, when you look at it, Malik Knowles. Let's, let's rewind back to 2019. He seemed to be the overall biggest key on if K-State was going to do anything offensively on, on a given day. When he was out of the lineup, it seemed like this offense was lacked any big playability, uh, especially in the passing game, but they would find ways to get him involved, whether if it was even in special teams or if it was through... Uh, him carrying the ball on on, on you know jet sweeps and, and things of that nature. Up and down last year, uh, unfortunately more downs than ups probably throughout 2020. 2021, I think, is a really big year for him in terms of what, what he might be able to do for, for a, a group that is really kind of short on playmakers. Uh, when you look here at the projected starters, uh, Malik Knowles at one wide receiver position. Phillip Brooks at another. Best in the world. And then uh, at tight end, uh, Daniel Imertabebe. Imertabebe. Uh, a transfer from USC, where he started his career, to your old grounds. To Illinois. To Illinois. Uh, and for the fighting the lion eye. Uh, under head coach, um, Lovie Smith, who's now... Uh, no longer the head coach there, got Bert got there now. Brett Bielma. Now he just now he's been around for a long time. Brett Bielma. No, it Bebe. Oh yeah, but he Brett was, Bielma has too. He has. That's true. Uh, E Matter was catching passes from Sam Darnold back at back at USC. Wow, how about that, huh? That's a, that's a trivia question. So, you look at what he has in terms of. Athletic ability, I think he is an upgrade from Briley Moore in terms of just being able to be a, um, you know, if they were both 100%, I'd probably take him out of Bebe in terms of just what he provides as an athlete. Now, Grant, his issue has been staying on the field. He's been beat up and injured, and that's caused him some some issues. I would have to say that when you look at what, and also, too, I do believe in matter of Bebe, I, I'm saying this, I'm kind of going off air, uh, off the cuff here. I believe he also made a stop at Florida. When? I, 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 I'm going to check on that here. Because I, I remember thinking that he had at least a stop there. Maybe after USC. Okay. But anyway, what I'm getting to is this overall group, I think, is the biggest question. I, you know, I, I'm lumping the tight ends here. Uh, my man, Sammy Wheeler. Had some had some shy last year, and I want to say I was yeah the president of the fan club. You've been on you've been a Sammy Wheeler fan for a long time. Now he suffered uh, an injury there uh, towards the end of the season, and he, he's kind of coming in a little bit beat up here to, to 2021. But we expect a big year out of him nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I beat the drum for Sammy Wheeler still, but uh, let's let's kind of talk about this position group. Where does Case State find some other playmakers outside of Malik Knowles and Phillip Brooks?
0: Well, I I think you're being generous when you refer to Phillip Brooks as a playmaker. First of all, I, yeah, I you think hey, you call him best in the world, man. Well, that's because he is. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. Uh,
1: great, yeah, great at the punt return game.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, but I uh, I don't have a ton of faith in him as a is a guy that's gonna you know light up uh, the highlight reel in terms of pass catching.
1: In in one guy too. That I want to mention too is Sebastian Taylor. Yeah, Jab is yep. the you have to mention him. and he's maybe not quite bad. he he suffered an injury too late in the season. Uh, ACL injury that might h- kind of hamper his ability to be ready week one might hamstring him a little bit. Um, but in terms of what he provided last year, he was by far k State's most consistent pass catcher. yeah, uh, no question about that.
0: Yeah, he's a big body. He can go out there and catch balls. Um, in terms of somebody else stepping up, I mean, the guy that they've been talking about this spring is, is a real threat, is Keenan Garber, the, the young guy out of uh, Lawrence, Kansas. And so you look at... There, there's going to have to be a receiver not named Brooks, Taylor, or Knowles that steps up and provides some kind of playmaking threat opposite of Knowles. And I don't think uh, Taylor and Brooks are are going to be the answer there. I'm thinking that it, it's going to have to be uh, one of the other guys. And, and Garber is, is the easy one to go out there and point to and pin your hopes on. Um, you also have to remember Cade Warner. Coming in from Nebraska,
1: and he did play there too. I mean, he, yeah, he, he, he was. Uh, I think maybe the third or fourth leading receiver. Yeah,
0: so. not a again, not a guy who's gonna you know probably light up a highlight reel. You know, they're starting to at, at Big Twelve Media Days. Jalen Travis got some mention by Kleinman. Uh You wonder about Tyrone Howell, the transfer from Hutchinson Junior College, uh, one of Ugu's, uh teammates, and so you just think, okay, we we've got three or four of these secondary type receivers, uh, and if if just one of those guys, whether it's uh Garber, uh Travis, Tyrone Howell or Cade Warner, if one of those guys can get on the field and and provide uh a third or fourth threat for defenses to have to keep an eye on, then you think, okay, then this receiving core can really uh can be good enough to keep defensive to keep defenses honest. But, but like you, I think it's largely dependent on Malik Knowles and his ability to stay healthy and perform on a game in, uh, game out basis.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's really the, the key to this group. Um, we, what we saw from him in 2019 was was some explosiveness as a playmaker. Um, and for a group that is really lacking kind of that that, uh, that primary receiver. He's the best bet to fill that, to fill that role. Uh, quick clarification on Ematter Baby. Originally signed with Florida. Ah, okay. Signed with Florida with their spring practices with the Gators, then transferred to Southern California. And then after his time at Southern California, transferred to Illinois, and now at dear old EMAU.
0: Yeah, but I, I think, with respect to Knowles, I think fair to say he's the third most important player on our offense.
1: I don't think that's. I don't think that that is a, a stretch at all. Yeah, I, I think that's. Uh, I think that's, that's where I'd have him slog.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, Deuce and Skyler one and two, uh, probably Thompson first, just because of what we saw sure. last year. Um, but then Knowles is is clearly the X factor, and uh, his ability to um, really stretch the field and keep defenses from just focusing totally on Deuce, um, both in the passing and running game, is really going to afford our offense some um, multiplicity, to borrow your phrase, and balance in terms mm-hmm. of uh, stretching it uh, down the field.
1: With I, I think, you know, you mentioned Garber. I think he is maybe the best bet to be kind of the X factor of the group to really get this group from where it's, Perceived that as one of the worst in the conference in terms of position group at the wide receiver position, to to maybe a, a little bit of a, a step into the middle class, so to speak. He's a guy who came in pretty highly recruited. I mean, it, it, what not? He he was a good get for K State at the time. That was kind of the first big win for uh, for climbing on the recruiting trail with uh, with him holding off uh, less Miles and KU for for Keenan Garber. So. You'd like to see him take that big step forward, but in a position group that is looking for playmakers, uh, him, Cade Warner, you know, I, I hope that we're able to get a healthy version of Sebastian Taylor at some point or another this season. With that being the case, you know, I, I think that this is a group that maybe can can get out of that lower tier uh, in terms of quality of the conference, but Still, it's not going to be a position uh, group that's going to be a strength for K-State, I don't think, this year.
0: Yeah, well, probably not. But I think, um, like it or not, whether he's ready or not, I expect Garber to get some run. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and see a lot of field this year. And so he'll have a chance to shine and, and kind of show what he can do, uh, which is should be an intriguing opportunity for the young fella.
1: So we've kind of touched on all the wide receivers here and in a tight end position. And we've kind of buried the lead here a little bit. Yeah. On maybe the group that is the strongest for K-State. And I think it's probably
0: look, the strongest position group we have on the team.
1: Yeah, if you look at what... Um, if you look at what K-State has coming back at running back, obviously the conversation begins with Deuce Vaughn. But there are some guys that are going to be backing him up that have had some action before. Joe Irvin, uh, Ja'Cardia Wright, that have, uh, ha- have gotten some playing time. But one thing I'm going to kind of, as we kind of wrap up with the wide receivers and, and the pass catchers, something that just can't be understated, uh, or can't be overstated, I should say, enough Is with Deuce Vaughn, you have essentially another wide receiver because he lines up in the slot so often.
0: Absolutely, especially, you know, whether he starts in the backfield or or starts on the. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, even out of the backfield catching passes. That I, between. uh, And this is a great point because between Vaughn, Knowles, uh, Taylor, and Brooks, it's like those guys at least the three wide receivers have had a lot of playing time. Yeah, they play some the football. Yeah. And uh, when you add Deuce Vaughn into the mix, now that is a guy who's going to load up on highlight real plays. Yeah. And so and you we know, saw
1: plenty of them last year.
0: And, and it's not as if when we take Vaughn out of the backfield this year that we're left with Harry Trotter in the backfield, sure. um, which was the case a lot of times last year, that you split Vaughn out and
1: it's... It's obvious that we're throwing the ball. Right.
0: Whereas this year, I mean, with Wright and Irvin both back... Both in good graces and uh, and out of their opt out year, uh, in Irvin's case, it's it's like okay, we we can't afford in like a we we can't line both those guys up in the backfield, split Deuce out, and have a legitimate game breaker still in the backfield. And so I think that that's that's a great point because Deuce showed last year that he is absolutely a viable threat lining up in the slot. He had multiple. Uh, you know, enormous plays out of the slot last year. The Texas Tech game comes to mind, but and so yeah, Oklahoma, it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. In, in situations where we split Deuce out, then a lot of our wide receiver woes and lacks of threats at the uh, wide receiver position kind of evaporate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's go in with let's both jump, feet here to yeah. uh, to the running back group and. You know, as I mentioned here, Deuce Vaughn last year had 434 receiving yards for two touchdowns, led the team in in yards uh, in yards receiving, (coughs) and uh, also had the long. uh, We talk about his his big play ability, 77 yard uh, touchdown against Texas Tech to put that game out of reach. Uh, You have to look at what he has done in his true freshman season. Uh, I believe 24-7 sports uh, gave him uh, freshman Offensive Player of the Year honors. And you see why. Because essentially for, I I should say, the last half of the year, but it it really was really since day one, game one, that he was the focal point of this offense. And you have to think that he's going to take a step forward with made, with more consistent quarterback play uh at, at the uh, with with Scholar Thompson there. But I don't think it gets stated and maybe it gets even forgotten. But we might not just be dealing with a really really good running back, which Deuce Vaughn is. We might be dealing with a generational kind of player yeah. uh with with Deuce Vaughn. And I think that's maybe something that hasn't been quite uh you know shed enough light on here as we look forward into the 2021 season.
0: I am just trying to go back and think of another example of a freshman at K State who had a better campaign, a
1: better first year campaign than Deuce Vaughn had at any position. The only one that I can come up with, and it's not it's not a freshman; it's a first year player, is Daniel Thomas. I mean, yeah. I mean that that Daniel Thomas in 2020 it immediately it, or became the op- rather, Immediately it, became the offense and. Uh, but he was a junior. Yeah, he was a junior. So I mean, it's not a it's not a guy that you're going to have for four years. Uh, yeah. And with with Deuce Vaughn's ability, not only with, with Daniel Thomas, it was kind of just a downhill running running style there. But uh, his versatility, I think, really opens up this offense and can make it very difficult to defend.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with what, with what you're saying. He is. Um, I I can't remember a talent. Uh, I've seen at K State since, obviously. I mean, I'm gonna Darren Sproles. Sure. Oh, uh, that's, that's always the. But yeah. But even so, I'm. You know, you think back to Darren's first year, and you knew that he was gonna be the next big thing, but at the time, he he wasn't that big thing yet. No. And Deuce Vaughn, he's there right now, yeah. and no so question. I don't know. I I have. It's not a given that Deuce is going to continue his ascension. And turn into this generational player. But it's certainly not out of the question either. That he could be the best running back K-State is, ever has. Sure. And, and that includes Darren Sproles. That includes Daniel Thomas. Um, it includes so, Marlon Charles. Yeah, that in, that includes Carlos Alsup and Donnie Anders and Danny K-Petrie. Morris and Petrie and all those guys. Yeah. Um, but, so I don't know... What there is to say about Deuce Vaughn that hasn't been said, he's, uh, I I think he's really really good. My my knock on him last year was that I wanted to see him put on some more weight, just to be able to increase his durability and, and his power a little bit. Although, um, he's not ever gonna be, I don't think, a you know the powerful back. You, mm-hmm. you remember Darren was yeah,
1: the a little take. bowling
0: ball, yeah. But Deuce could ultimately turn into that, and he put on, I want to say, between 6 and 10 pounds in the offseason, which is good. Uh, But, no, I I mean, I think the sky is the limit for Deuce Vaughn, Um, and I'm excited to see what he can do uh, this year out of the backfield and in the slot. And he is set to be K-State's biggest name and best player for the next three to four years.
1: Yeah, I, I I can't argue with anything that you said there. So let's look at the rest of the room. Uh, Joe Irvin, Jacardi Wright, Keon Mosey, of course, had transferred out uh, here within the last month. The room was getting a little bit crowded. Yeah, getting a little bit crowded. There's you know some other players. Duran Weathers has has caught some eyes. Um, you know you have to look at what with what this running back room looks at. Just to, I mean I don't think. Uh, Weathers or uh, Giddens, any of those guys are going to get any playing time this year, most likely. Now they have shown the propensity to rotate quite a bit, but when you have a guy like Deuce Vaughn, you want him on the field, um, all three downs. I mean, he, he's a three-down running back, and you know with you Cardi Wright, you see something maybe a role as a little bit more of a goal line back, uh, maybe some short yardage type situations. Joe Irvin, really can kind of be at that Deuce Vaughn light, so to speak. You throw him in the backfield, and you maybe split uh, Deuce out to the slot. I
0: think there's 15 carries a game for guys not named Deuce Vaughn.
1: Yeah. You I I, I, th- I would go a little bit shorter than that, maybe, but I, I don't... i don't, include I don't quarterbacks hate. in there. Yeah. Okay. But
0: okay. I, I think that it wouldn't shock me if Irvin, between Irvin, Wright, the field, that... Non-Duval running backs had ten plus carries a game. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Only because I'm look at him. look at Harry Trotter's workload last year. Sure. I mean, it was he was getting at least seven carries a game for the yep, most and part.
1: You're right on it. 72 carries last year.
0: Yeah, and so I think that when you have guys like Irvin and Wright and guys who are who are I think competent Big 12 running backs, that those guys are going to be able to shoulder. More of the load. I mean, I know that Kleiman said he wanted Vaughn. um, He intended to get Vaughn 20-25 touches a game. Um, I don't know whether those were carries or what. But ideally, I think, you know, assuming our offensive line looks like we expect it to look, I think 35 carries a game for running backs isn't totally out of the question. Maybe more, maybe closer to 40. Um, And if that's the case, then there's... Going to be other mounts to feed, and I think that Irvin and Wright are the obvious uh, are the obvious other mounts. And don't forget Jackson E. Yeah, because absolutely. that
1: little <laughs> bowling ball, <laughs> that
0: little bowling ball. You know, I forget which game it was that he had a couple. Maybe it was I think it was Oklahoma State where he caught at least a couple passes out of yeah. the backfield uh, as kind of the safety net for Howard, and did a good job running down the field. And so that's a guy that you know. In Messingham's offense, we talk about these ancillary-type roles, whether it's an H-back or a fullback yeah. or a tight end who's kind of this hybrid. But Denine I think, is... Uh, I don't think he's going to be getting many carries a game or over the course of the season. But that's another guy in the backfield who's, uh, I think, really good at his job and probably get at least a couple passes out of the backfield. A guy sure. that's just a total headhunter out there, too. Yeah. Um, was... I think it was Deuce's... I think it was against Texas that uh, Jax had, like... It, it may have even been Deuce's crazy run in the Texas game where he bounces it outside out Yeah, no, what, a, what a run that was. And I may be conflating it with another run, but Jax goes out and blocks, like, three or four different guys yeah. on one of those runs. And so, in any event, that's another guy we talk about is uh, in the running back uh, position. But sure. I think uh, Jax is very good at his job. And I I'm as optimistic as I can be about the running back room moving forward.
1: Hard not to be. Hard not to be. And and speaking of the running back room, you know, as I mentioned, when you think of the Big 12, you typically think of uh, the quarterback position. I'll tell you what, the running backs in the Big 12 are no joke. Yeah. You've got Brees Hall, of course, at Iowa State. Uh, Bijan Robinson at Texas, who was averaging nearly 10 yards a carry Uh, once he kind of got in the mix there. Uh, Letty Brown at West Virginia, who's, who's a solid runner. Uh, as well as Kennedy Brooks at Oklahoma and uh, L.D. Brown at Oklahoma State. So, I mean, you've got running backs that are that are very talented up and down the conference. I, I think Deuce Vaughn takes a backseat to nobody, really. I mean, Brees Hall is going to be the uh, probably the lead dog there just because of his track record, and deservedly so. Great running yeah. back. But uh, in terms of the way they kind of go about their business with uh, – with Brees Hall, you're getting more of a, a physical downhill runner. With, with Deuce Vaughn, you're getting a little bit of everything, a little bit of versatility in the passing game, uh, but the shiftiness and uh, uh, pass catching ability make him a, a highlight reel waiting to happen. So, but I'm not I'm I'm
0: not trading Deuce Vaughn for anybody.
1: No, no, I think yeah. he's he's been a he was a an absolute bright spot last year where there weren't a whole lot of them, and uh, he and that he did all that.
0: With defenses knowing that he was already, yeah, absolutely. Knowing that we had a quarterback who couldn't throw. And that the offense ran start and finish through Deuce Vaughn. And so that's just another... You know, we talk about Deuce Vaughn and his threat helping Thompson. But Thompson's threat is going to help Deuce Vaughn a little bit, too. And assuming that Thompson can go out and keep defenses somewhat honest in the passing game then that makes Deuce Vaughn all the more dangerous. Because we saw what Deuce Vaughn looked like in an offense that had to be totally one-dimensional last year. And now that we got Thompson and hopefully a a receiving core that can carry its water, then all of a sudden, lanes start opening up for Deuce Vaughn a little bit more, and all the defenses are having to pick their poison.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that kind of covers it for the running back room. We've highlighted each position group here. Uh, I guess the one question mark that we still haven't quite uncovered. And, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of talk about this yet. It's just kicking the ball for us. That's a good point. You know, right now, you look here at uh, Phil Steele. It has Ty Zettner, who handled kickoffs and punting last year for K-State, as uh, pulling double duty as both the kicker and punter. You know, with Blake Lynch, uh, you know, departing, very consistent in in, in the kicking game. He had a really nice year last year. A uh, very very good kicker for K State, and that's nothing. That's it's not nothing that you know K State is breaking in somebody that we've not seen yet at, at that position. Uh, really, is it the biggest concern. No, but, but it's something not, to take for granted when yeah. you don't have
0: to worry about it. And yeah, so.
1: and, and with Blake, once you felt. Pretty darn secure. Anything forty yards in, yeah. You um, felt pretty comfortable that he was going to come through more often than not, and uh, that's a nice security blanket to have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, was it the Oklahoma game last year?
1: Yeah, or... and he showed some range. As, as I think the field goal that put us at, put us ahead was a fifty yarder. I want to say, yeah, fifty one yarder. So it was no no chippy. No, for sure. And and that's
0: obviously I I don't have. I mean, what have your sources been saying about the kicking game, because my sources are all mum when they talk about who, uh, what the kicking game is going to look like here uh, in, during the spring.
1: Dilu radio silence. Oh, man. The, the code of silence in the near is, is still alive and well, and uh is not tipping his hand anywhere when it comes to uh, the kicking game. Well,
0: that'll be something to watch as we move into fall camp and approach uh, kickoff here in September. You know, some,
1: at media days, was no one really pressing climate on the issue of who's kicking the ball for us this year?
0: Well, that's getting hometown cooking. Yeah, I mean, it's, gosh,
1: soft media. Apparently. Yeah. Gosh, those hard hitting questions aren't just getting asked.
0: But no, it's a good point that, like you said, it's something you take for granted when you don't have to worry about it. And then all of a sudden, a year like 2002 pops up, and it becomes oh. the focal point. Hopefully we don't have to relive, uh, that debacle. Oh uh, yeah,
1: those days of oh gosh man, Jared Bright getting that kick blocked against Texas. Uh, I think we missed like an extra point or two in that game as well. Yeah, I cried
0: uh, after that Texas game just because I was awesome. so frustrated.
1: Well, it was it was a very frustrating loss. That was a game that, k State had every chance to win. Unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, well, let's put a wrap on this one here. We've kind of touched we've touched on everything here. I think we both feel that the 2021 Wildcats, as we look here on July 19th as at the time of recording here, that the offense is really not where we have a whole lot of concerns at. Sure, we have concerns about the wide receiving.
0: Group. But there's a lot of outs. There's a lot of bodies who I think can step up and fill the role. And really, we just need two of them to be good with to BB and Deuce Vaughn uh, Yeah, I think,
1: and that's why I was so, um, I, I was very happy that we got him at even Now, granted, it's kind of a lottery ticket with him. Because yeah. you, you have to know that this is a guy who has had significant injury issues and has never been able to really stay on the field a whole lot.
0: And the injury issue, same can be said for Wheeler.
1: And then yeah. all of a sudden we're down to Lenners
0: and all then tight end is a weakness on the offense.
1: Yeah, and in the wide receivers, I, I think that group kind of is what it is. I, I think if Garbers able to make a step forward, that would certainly help. But it, it's a it's a group that's not going to put a lot of fear into opposing secondaries. Now, and uh, I'm not so quick to write them off
0: because you're, you're, I think you're more I, bullish on them than I am. I think if Knowles can ever return to form to when he was healthy in 2019, then all of a sudden he's a, he is a legitimate number one wide receiver uh, for K-State, and then you're looking at okay, who, who's going to be as Robin, and I think assuming Taylor's health I mean, I, I know I'm making a lot of assumptions here, but I just think that we have a lot of outs at wide receiver at this point between Garber, Taylor, um, and like Tyrone Howell, Cade Warner can step up and add, yeah. and it's- so I think and all we need is the wide receivers just to be okay. And if that's the case, then I think our offense is going to be really good. Wide receivers just can't be—we can't be looking around saying, man, if only we had a good, competent wide receiver. If they can just get to okay, then I think that's all our offense really needs in order to be really dangerous and one of the more efficient offenses in the Big
1: 12. You know, you're relatively high on, on what uh, Courtney Messingham— brings the table as an offense. absolutely I, I like Messingham and this and I
0: view this year as kind of a, a proof of concept for him and a, a really a testing ground for whether Messingham is ultimately going to get it done at K-State and I, and I think he is I think our offense is going to be really good this year and I think everybody who was giving Messingham a hard time especially last year are are going to be feeling pretty foolish now that Messingham finally has you know I think pieces across the board that his offense can
1: excel in. Well, I kinda overstated Cade Warner. I, I saw that he started four games and thought he was one of their leading receivers. He was not. He had five receptions for four yards. So I I did want to just clarify that from Yeah, my... no,
0: I don't think Warner's necessarily the answer. But no, I think... no, no.
1: But I, I, I think I might have misstated that earlier. So oh, I, I gotta okay. I gotta correct correct the record. I gotta gotta strike that from the record and get the wideout out. So um but anyway, we're looking here at this K-State offense. Gonna, I like it. I'm going to ask you a question here, point blank. K-State last year, in games that, uh, in games that, Scholar Thompson started. We'll just go with that. Yeah, 31, 38, and 31 points. This this offense averaged over say thirty five points a game.
0: Um boy, points a game. A lot of that's gonna depend on pace, but over thirty five? It's probably a little high. I think uh, that's l- probably let's go 30. yeah, I think yeah. they average more than thirty a game. Okay. Um and I whether that's them getting fat on Southern Illinois, uh, hey. maybe. But, the
1: Salukis, man. that's a game FCS team
0: yeah um, no I think they ought to I think they ought to be above 30 or right there um, but put it this way I think our offense is good enough our offense is good enough to win the big 12 championship I you know wow. I, I think our defense isn't and we'll get more into that next yeah. week or, or in the in the near week. future but uh, I think this is a a side of the ball that is the best K State's had, um, probably since Jake Waters
1: 2014.
0: Yeah, coming into the year, um, I haven't been as high on the offense okay. as I've been probably since 2014, and, and maybe preseason 2014. I, w- I wasn't even as high as, as I was, oh, I was short- loving that
1: 2014 team, I was
0: probably shortchanging it. them a little bit, but no, I think I think this offense is, um, Going to be very, very, very good, and I think it. The real question mark is going to be who's going to step up at receiver, and I think it's got to be somebody. Whether I don't think we can get away calling it Malik Knowles, uh, Vaughn, and Emre DeBebe, and call it good. I think we're going to need a second threat, and whether that's so Taylor or, or, or Taylor or the Red, yeah, yeah. And but I, I field. think, I think one of those guys is going to step up and, and be able to to spread defenses out a little bit on the other end. But all all that said, I I am sky-high confident. I I really am optimistic about the way our offense looks.
1: Well, we've covered it all here on the short side option in terms of looking at the offensive side of the ball. We'll be back here maybe next week, but maybe sometime a little bit after that. We're kind of still trying to nail out schedules. But we'll come back, and we will be looking at the defensive side of the ball, and then uh, in a future podcast after that, we'll be breaking down K-State's schedule and providing our predictions for not only K-State, but the rest of the Big 12 Conference. Deal like I said, man, great to be back on the air with you. It's great to be back. Man, the short side option is back. Baby. Oh, yeah, baby. America's back. Short side option's back. We got a big fullback leading the way here on the, on a power option to the short side of the field. You can't ask for anything more. Boy, can you imagine Jax just headhunting the near side? Oh, I, lo- I I I'm getting
0: a little sweaty thinking about it. Just load them up out of the eye, maybe Get, maybe make, split them out just a little bit. You
1: know, the thing is though, here's a question for you, and we'll 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 leave with this. Which former or current K State fullback do you want most swinging around uh, on a on a power option to the short side of the field?
0: Are you you looking for my answer? I'm looking for an answer. In terms of just total headhunters, man, Braden Wilson lit people up. Oh, yeah. And I know that, you know, he's not usually included in, you know, the great mean old K-State fullbacks from the DOD. People say, like, Victor Mann. Rock, Rock, I.O., any one of those. Got Travis Wilson. Travis Travis Wilson. But in terms of just a guy who would split out and just go headhunt, You'd be hard pressed to find somebody more violent than Braden Wilson.
1: I'm going with Travis Wilson. I'm sticking in the Wilson family. Yeah, well, that's his uncle. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with big Trav there on the outside. Uh, a fierce, fierce linebacker who, or uh, er, f- linebacker. Well, linebackers were fearing him. Yeah, I'll tell you that much. But a fierce fullback for Case State, uh, just running around out there on those 2002, 2003 teams out there. And for.
0: And, and for people to follow the Short Side Option Twitter account, keep your
1: eye out this week because Travis Wilson might be making an appearance. If I had a bet, he would, he, and also Victor Mann will be making an appearance, too. Yeah. Even though 42's, you know, kind of a, a hollow ground, he's getting a shout out. You know he is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the Short Side
0: Option has always been kind of focal on the fullbacks. Oh, State. Love the fullbacks. So, yeah. Gotta right. love the big fellas. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, folks, that'll do it here for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Great to be back with you. Thank you for listening, and go Cats.